Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Good morning, listeners. Today we have Raging Cajun baseball radio color man, Brad Topham, previewing the Little Rock Trojans hosting Louisiana. That's a hard word to say for someone from Louisiana. I should be able to pronounce that. Good morning, Brad. How is Little Rock treating you? Good morning. Okay. We got in last night about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So there's a nice restaurant here in this beautiful hotel. We go to get something to eat. They say, look, food shuts off at 10. Alcohol, the whole place shuts down at 11. All right, no problem. You know, Jay, he finds a Calumet. <laughs> give me a Calumet double. I'm like, dude, give me a double quesadilla. All right. So, and he looks at me. I said, you know, leftover. Jay, shut up. Well, and, I, and I, I'm so pumped because normally I say, do you have a good rum? My answer is, um, well, we have Bacardi and we have Captain Morgan which is kind of like saying, do you have a good hamburger? And they say, yeah, we have Wendy's and we have McDonald's. It ain't good. But they have Florida Con, so I'm pumped. Florida Con and Coke. Yes, I'm the baby of the group. Get a beer. Long story short, get the bill. Jay has two extra drinks. I have two extra beers. $146. Holy mother of God. Bottom. People need to know this. I love my wife, I am, but I'm glad she's not here. Mixed tax in Little Rock. Mixed, uh, mixed drink tax in Little Rock. 30%. Holy, 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 man. Just the tax on a total of five drinks was $30. Dang. So I might you know, rethink this trip. No, yeah. You drink beer, damn it. You drink beer. I'm just letting y'all know. You come to Little Rock, you drink beer. The tax is on mixed drinks, 30%. So lovely place. Will not be buying any more, anything over four proof. So what 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 Florida Cana? What was the age of the Florida Cana? Do you know? They had, a, they... they had a four. They had okay. a four. It wasn't a high end, but it wasn't the it wasn't the bottom one. It was a, it was a four year, which is good. I'm fortunate uh, to follow it. My brother in law's father in law, his wife's from Honduras. He turns me on to the Florida Cana, the higher end ones, and they're that's a good that's a good run. Yeah, when my friends came back from Costa Rica, they brought me an 18 year old. So yes. uh, that yes. was that's pretty sweet, man. I have a, um, I have a 12 and a half. That's what my, that side of the family gives alcohol. Y'all tasted some of it, the 1769, 125 yep. proof that I cannot touch because it burns the hair in my nose. But uh, yeah, that 12 and 18 old Florida Cana is a really good alcohol. Well, another good rum for you, if you get a chance and you find it, is the Plantation Rum uh, 25th anniversary. It's aged in uh, bourbon barrels in uh, Barbados. Then it's shipped to France and aged in cognac barrels and then shipped back to Barbados for, for bottling. It is Plantation awesome. 25th anniversary. That, so. see, that helps me because I, I have to every year come up with a new present. I yep. bought Don Julio 1942. I bought everything you can think of. That is a great present. Thank you. Good deal. And and back to your rum, if they're asking you, uh, you know, for Bacardi and stuff like that's asking when I ask for bourbon, they say we have Jack Daniels and Crown Royal. And I'm going like, first yeah. of all, neither are bourbon, but stop it. No, I'm with you. It's like when they say, oh, yeah, we got both brothers. We got Jack and Jim. Stop yeah. It. Well, Jack Daniels technically is a bourbon, but we'll get into that another time when we're talking bourbon you. and whiskeys and all the good stuff like that. 
So, but, you know, with the game at 2 o'clock today, moved up because of weather, uh, after the game, you guys might want to head over to the Butcher Shop Steakhouse. I think the name says it all. Jay and I ate there when we were there for basketball uh, 2018. So, if, uh, it, it's an excellent place. Jay knows about it. Uh, I'm not sh- I'm uh, writing it down. I'm sure y'all – it's probably not too far from the hotel because I'm sure the, the okay. teams have stayed in the same hotels. It's downtown. Yeah, it so, is. Uh, all right, let's talk baseball. Whether it's Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, which may be a little too dramatic, or Robert Louis Stevenson's Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hyde, how do you explain the difference of the two teams on the road and at home? Well, it's kind of like this hairdo I got going on. It, I don't know. I don't know exactly how long it's going to grow. I don't know exactly what I'm doing with it yet, but it's all in my control. You know, I'm just a little bit lost some days. Not being funny, but that's about what's going on. This Cajun team, they, this team doesn't have that one. This is a podcast, right? Yes. Okay. They don't have that asshole. They need one. They just need one. And he doesn't need to hit 300 to be the asshole. You, you got to have somebody. Look at the intensity in uh, Kemple and Robinson. But I don't think they're the guy to, hold, to vocally hold everyone accountable. I'll give you – I'll go back a little bit. Um, Wyatt Marks is last year. He and I were talking. And when he t- told Coach Roby he was going pro, they went and talked. And when they discussed some things, one of the things they said is, look, one of the problems with the team was our, most of our vocal leaders were pitchers. You know, you had Demo. I wasn't going to say a ton, but you were going to respect anything he said. You had Wyatt. You had um, Gunner. But you needed that guy on the field, and they just didn't have that one alpha external personality. And that's what I see this team is. There's no one guy. I'm not saying you need to be violent in the dugout, but there's no one guy grabbing you by the head and slamming you into a water cooler. There's nobody you're scared of. In 14, you want to start the list of the people you were scared of if you yeah. were passive at bats, if you weren't focused. Um, I, I think that's what it is. Craig, what I saw in the doubleheader, Josh, I saw Southern Miss. The look in their eyes looked like Southern Miss. The the swinging at balls out of hand, the the anger after the at bat, but personal frustration, not the anger of these guys are beating us. It was the per, and that's what it looked like Southern Miss again. Well, I think you brought it up on the broadcast uh, Tuesday night. There's there's no Michael Strentz, there's no Jace Conrad. And I yep. think you're right about that. We need somebody to do it. And I'm not sure, but just just by the way Coach Dex talks about him, and again, he's not on the field right now, unfortunately, is that Sam Riola. You know, Dex talked about how he's that pit bull. He's that dog, that bulldog. Yep. He, he's a hockey player. He wants to punch you in the face. He wants to take a punch. I don't know if Sam's that guy or not. I don't know him personally. I've never met him. But just the way Coach Deggs talk, talks about him, I think we're missing that guy. And you, I don't think you can do it from the dugout. No. And, he, you know, he, and right now, you remember when the year started, um, Jay, I think Jay or myself, somebody asked him about shortstop. He said, yeah, if I don't put Sam back out there, there might be a revolt in the dugout. Yeah. Well, right now would be that opportunity to where Bobby has – technically you could say Bobby lost his job. He has done enough to lose his job. So now you could have a chance for Sam to step in. And I don't know if he's a 30-game answer, but you only need about three or four. You know what I mean? Back two lane, he looked like that guy at two lane, then he fell off. That's fine. Get that guy going back. But, man, he got a broken thumb. How, how long, once he's back, does it take to even get your timing back? 
Yeah, Coach Jake said on the Diamond Club call on Tuesday, we're, we're, he's about two weeks away from uh, being ready to, okay. to practice and everything. So we still got still got some time before he comes back. And, 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 and to your point, you, you don't need 30 games out of him. You just need something there. You need that spark plug, that pit bull, even if it's a late inning guy coming in that's going to do something. Yeah. So, Josh, go ahead and step in. I'm sorry, man. I've been stepping all over this. No, you're fine. Listen, I'm so glad Brad talks the kind of baseball that I talk. And you can look at numbers and stats and try to figure things out. Uh, We can go back as far as 2016 and do that. But I said the exact same thing to my wife. We were uh, in South Al Sunday night. And even then, when when nut crunching time came around, I said, this looks like South Al. I said it again on Monday morning. This looks like South Al. These guys expect to win. They know how to win. They know what it takes in a clutch situation to come through. And I, I just couldn't agree more, man. That, that was uh, – they expected to step on your neck when the time yep. came. And, look, 2014, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but it's a long time ago. Uh, I, I don't know how easy it is to find those, you know, quote unquote dogs anymore. I, I don't know if the, the youth baseball, the, the travel circuit is producing a large number of those kids and those players. I, I think actually when you have it, it it's a luxury at this point. And uh, I think there are some on this roster. I don't know if they've been given the opportunity to kind of be vocal. Uh, and that's a whole nother issue that, that we can talk about, but. Uh, I think Sam is a dog. I've, I've been had the opportunity to meet some of the guys on the team, and they say that Sam is the dog. Uh, I, I think we lost him at a, a crucial time where we were kind of figuring out our identity. I, I agree that he looked like he could play the part at Tulane, uh, but but yes, I think that I think it's a personality issue or a leadership issue, uh, like you guys mentioned. I think that's probably right on. You know, and and when you're talking about opportunities, this is the other part that's hard. I, unfortunately, too much experience travel ball being a hit foot baseball coach. Travel ball doesn't focus on winning, and I'm not trying to knock them. They're focused on player development, and they do. Yeah, look, Josh, how old are you, if you don't mind? 35. 35, okay, so you're a little younger. So you're in between Craig and I when it comes to – we grew up seeing 90 at college was – as Skip Bergman told me one time, he said even when he was at LSU winning titles, you had a Friday starter, maybe a Saturday, and one guy out the pin. Now the seventh guy out the pin throws 90. That's what travel ball has done. These kids walk in as freshmen, and 93 doesn't scare them. Now, Jacob Schultz on Wednesday night throwing 96 is a little different. But, you know, 90 doesn't bother them. You see a guy throwing 88 as a starter, you're like, well, he's just mixing up his pitches. Gary Hart told me he never broke 90 and made it all the way to the show at the A's as a righty. But that was in the 90s. And that's what travel ball does. They, they work on your skill level. They work on your experience in head-to-head. They do not teach you how to win. They do not teach you the dog. They do not look at you and go, hey, lead off double. Give me a ground ball up the middle other way. We're not buttoned, but you got to move the runner over, even if you're sacrificing yourself with a ground ball. You're not doing that in travel ball. You're just swinging to try and drive the run in. So you're missing out on that win-at-all-cost mentality as far as how I do my job. They're trying, I want to be clear, they are not dogging it. Um, Deggs wasn't happy with what he saw, some of them, and he made it very clear. But that, that, that fire of, I'm going to grind the pine tar off this bat to get to the dust before I let you strike me out or pop me up, 
that's not there right now. And that's kind of what I mean by the win at all cost mentality. It's just not there. Well, I agree. And you can look at across the board at all sports, that competitive edge, it's, it's an yeah. anomaly now. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe money's infected sports. Maybe uh, the praise is, is really the end all be all for some of these guys. And I know I've seen that myself. I'm, I'm in that weird age range where I played Legion. I played travel. I played all-star. Now you go back to rec and it's practice for some of these guys. Rec leagues practice, all-stars is practice. It's all about the weekend and where we're going, Mississippi, Texas. Let's go play for a watch or a ring. Um, yeah. At nine that years is not old. conducive for competition. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can't learn how to be a dog at, at like that. That's just not how you do you it. You can't right? learn how to be a dog when there's nine guys in the starting lineup and two guys on the bench. Yeah. And I'm, a pay, and I'm not being rude, but they paid a lot of money. So me pulling you out because you're not backing up a throw in right field four times in a row doesn't happen in travel ball. And that's the, that's the little part. There's good things, but that's the bad thing. All right. Well, let's get off travel ball now because we could do a whole show on that one too. But uh, and quote but, Tony quite often. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the, the rings to me that, that you see, and I know they're not expensive rings because they can't be for all what, what these guys are doing. But uh, I just don't see the, the value in that. But the, hey, that's no. me. Uh, you brought up Jacob Schultz. Let's talk about his performance the other night. Was Jacob just shoving it or what? So I've known, I've known Jacob since he was a, uh, when he was first got here as a sophomore, technically, um, and I've watched him grow. Uh, Jacob physically, he's one of those guys who physically the muscles hadn't filled out yet. And James, our, our trainer, had told me that. And he's worked hard. He's put on lean muscle. He told me he had gotten up to 94, 95 in the fall. I've never seen it. I've seen 99 and one every now and then 92. Cat, he was rearing back and it was 95, 96. And I laughed. I told Jay on the ride up here. I said, man, if I'm that pinch hitter off the bench when they pulled out that little report, I'm going back to Doug. I'll go, coach, you sat me here for eight innings and you said 92. Cat, that was 95 would run. If he could do that, every, not every game, I know, but he was throwing the ball in the bottom third, 94 to 96. Seriously, his ball. Okay. Y'all remember what Mariano's ball looked like, you know, the way it moved, his moves is in the opposite direction. It's a, it runs arm side. He can throw the ball over the middle and run it to the outside corner in the mid nineties. That that's, he threw one slaughter the whole time. He threw a slaughter once everything else is just, here's my fastball. Let's go boys. Well, if he can do yeah, 90, 96 is great. But when you've got move like that, that's, yeah, a, it, that's it impossible. Disgusting. All of that's true, and we needed him to do it consistently. Consistently, and I think he yep. pitched last night, like, or I should say, uh, a couple nights ago, like Coach Deggs expected him to pitch. Because I know in the fall, Coach Deggs was very high on him. And Jacob, he looks like a ball player, just like Robinson yep. looks like a ball player. He's one of those guys, uh, it, you know. And I, I, I we talked about uh, Havert on the uh, Diamond Club call with Coach Deggs a little bit. And, and Coach Deggs feels like he's going to get more uh, more opportunities now to pitch. He's earned it for one thing. But, you know, you look at him and you look at Jacob Schultz, they're, they're two different body types. And, you, you know, think? I, <laughs> I kind of brought up – and, again, I, I don't want to compare him to somebody that, that pitched a perfect game. But uh, in the sense of the body type, it, it's that David Wells type of guy that, you know, you don't think – you look at him and go, this is a ball player? You know, Babe Ruth, this is a ball player and nothing against yeah. uh, Havard. I mean, because he is what he is. And hey, if it works for him, go, brother, go, you know, pitch. You, you want to talk about a Havard? I mean, what, what did you see in him? I think, I'm, I'm, you know, 
over the over the past week? I'm seeing a guy that's just he's not one thing he's got compete in him. He does. Um, he looked scared first time I saw him, and I, I to be polite, I like look at this little chunky freshman. And I say it politely, coming in. I was like, okay, there's probably something there. He's got to work on his body. He's young. I mean, he's a baby. He's 18 probably, and he looked a little timid. And then since then, he attacks his own. And I, now I know what he likes about. I always knew what he liked about David Christie. Tall, throws downhill, late bloomer, projectional. Christie could be a, a he could be sitting 95 as a junior. He could be, but I I, I know he likes the angle. But with Havard, I didn't see it at first, and I was trying to figure out did y'all make him? Did y'all miss on this kid? Did this kid grow out of his potential? Whatever, because y'all know in pitching, if you can't lift your leg consistently because your midsection isn't toned, you're going to struggle. By the way, Spencer Arrigetti used to throw 97, and I believe his nickname was Doughboy. He was very out of shape to his own admission to what TCU told us. Same thing with Peyton. So trust me, it can change rapidly if you focus. But now I see a guy attacks his own with no fear, but he doesn't have fearless stuff, and he's, he doesn't have a fearless age. You know what I mean? He should not have do what he's doing. So I know why Coach likes him because he doesn't look like a freshman that throws 90 with a good changeup. He looks like a kid that's going to pitch and get after it. And I think that's what they like. Well, one of the things I brought up was that it would have been, for me, what, what would this, this kid have done if he had a full senior season too? I mean, you know, Correct. we got we to gotta remember that, that these guys came out, uh, the, these freshmen came out uh, 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 with, without a true senior season. So taking a somewhat of a chance on them because you're going by their junior statistics and just, you know, a couple games right. in. So how do you judge someone there? And uh, I, I think he's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, he's, he's, he's good for the game, I think. He, he's good for the team. And uh, I, I hope he gets to pitch more. Well, how, how about, say, Rice is his first one. That's the one I was referring to. In one inning, walk, two hits. Struggle a little bit. And since then, no walks, one inning each. But I don't care whether it's pressure or not. The name across the front was TCU, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama. He rem he's old enough to clearly have watched Coastal win the World Series in 16. Knows who TCU is, you know. But he came out and pitched. And he did it at, at South Alabama when the rest of the team – I don't even want to go what I want to say about the way the rest of the team looked that were, as far as the hitters go. But he came out and pitched with aggressiveness. So it's one thing if you're doing it against not knocking them, but Southern or McNeese or Grambling, teams that you feel like you're better or you're as good. When you start looking at national powers and you're not scared and you're not walking people, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, uh, he, he hasn't given up an earned run all season. I hope that's not the jinx, but in only one run. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it. Yeah, you know, but you know, and you look at the, uh, the 235 batting average against them, uh, it is, it is not great, but it's decent. And we, and we talked, uh, you and I text back and forth about that, that the average major league, uh, batting right. average over the past couple of years has been right around 250. So keeping that below that, and I know we're not playing major league baseball here, but you would still expect a higher run rate, I guess, in my opinion, at 235 right. with, with not the one run or, or in without the earn run. But, you know, like you said, he had, I mean, he's offered up four hits and one base on ball. So five, five, five batters got on base. And, well, I'm sure there was another one because if he had an unearned run, um, he's pitching well. So, and pitching hasn't been our problem, quite honestly. I mean, let's be, let's oh, be let's frank be about clear. it. Oh, let's be clear. Josh, you saw South Alabama. Eric Getty pitched. 
I think people, Eric Getty's stats are ridiculous. What Eric Getty did on Friday, I mean, well, Sunday, that was a Sunday starter. Two earned runs over seven. That's a, that's a, that's a Friday night guy. Yeah, I think, well, Spencer, his greatest attribute is that he can adjust. He's, he's old enough. He's, he knows how to yeah. pitch. And uh, the biggest thing that I've seen from his tape at TCU, then in summer ball, now for the Cajuns, he's, he believes he can get you out. Uh, I know yeah. that that is a very, I don't know, it's kind of an elementary way to look at it, but he, you can look in his eyes and tell he expects to get you out. And uh, he's not scared. He's not scared to attack the strike zone. And, and I was going to say the same thing about Peyton. You guys were talking about Peyton. He doesn't nibble. He's going to come get you. I like that. You know, especially if you're going to build a team that's going to go hit the ball to win. Let's have some pitchers that they're not trying to nibble on the black. They want to go get you. Um, no, I thought Spencer was fine. I think the book's kind of out on him now. He's going to give you something to hit early. Or, well, you know, the first time yeah. around, he's going to give you some fastballs early in the count. Uh, I think a good hitting team like Arkansas State saw that and, and you know, they hit the ball. And I think South Al was was primed to to jump on somebody. But even that, man, he gave you a great chance to win. A little defense goes a long way. Uh, you got to give him credit, man. You got to give him credit for sticking it out that, that well, it was Sunday. But uh, I don't know. I'm trying to stay away from getting into South Al too much, but uh, yeah, let's I, not I, go we'll, there. Let's we'll, let's flush that yeah. one, man. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and remember sure, something: sure. if uh, y'all, I don't know how clear it was, Josh. I don't know if you saw it in person, but from where I was sitting, I could see it clear. Robertson stepped forward. He couldn't. You know, y'all know this about baseball: the worst ball in the world is a, a rocket. Well, when the ball came off the bat, he stepped forward. Then he broke. It was twilight, and you could it, uh, the sky wasn't good at that moment, and that ball right. was still hitting his glove. If that ball sticks in his glove, they don't get all those runs. So even with all that, but you know what I like about Spencer is that he does have the fire and he shows it. To me, Spencer, you haven't seen emotion out of uh, David Christie, out of Hayden Dirk, and out of Peyton Havard. But you know what? They're watching Spencer Arrighetti and they're watching Connor Cook. And Connor has both sides. The bad frustration kicks him and the good energy. And I think, and he's starting to control that, right? My point is, I think that's what you need for program development is those younger guys that see when I pitch like a dog, I can let it loose emotionally because I've earned that right. And that's what I like about Spencer is he's showing it. Look, seven innings, two earned is a great start for everybody. I agree. Right. And, I, and I, I, I think one thing that we have to remember is I hate this that uh, I see people posting that. Uh, he didn't have a Spencer Aaron Getty outing. And I'm going like, it was two earned runs, guys. Maybe that is Spencer Aaron Getty. Maybe the beginning of the season, you know, the seven-inning shutout uh, is it was an anomaly. But at the same time, I will take seven innings and two earned runs or two runs any day of the week there. Hey, you tell every one of them to look at, give me, who's the great starting pitcher we've had on a Friday night? Name one. And you won't find one with an ERA under two. Right. You're not. I, I've got them in front of me because I started doing the research. I mean, look, some of the greatest years we've had undefeated pitchers, ERAs were still in the mid twos. But the best, and this is the hardest thing for me to find, whip, I can develop, but opposing batting average. Yeah. The only, the lowest one I've ever found was Gunnar Leje at a 206. And then Austin Fought had a 201. Well, this cat's still sitting in the 170s. Yeah, 174 with with a 1.53 ERA. 
I mean, he's going to give perspective for you right there. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's going to give you a chance to win every time he goes out. So, all right. So let's let's not let's let's this. We're kind of doing a preview show over here, Little Rock, but we got into our own guys. So what are we going to expect out of Little Rock on the pitching side? We'll go pitching first. Uh, where are they going to be at? I noticed uh, I think this week they had the Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week, uh, but it looks like he's a reliever, not a uh, not a uh, not a starter. Josh. Right before we get into Little Rock, I got one more thing about our guys. I, I think that this is a crucial point in the in the season. So, I mean, it is a preview about Little Rock, but I, I kind of want to do a little surgery on the guys, right? Brad, what do you think about something happened uh, against McNeese that was very interesting to me, something that I thought that might be a fix, I don't know, maybe 15 games into the season. What do you think about Lede at second and Brett at short? We've got to be better up the middle. I mean, there's just no question about that. Yeah. And that, that goes for TR as well. Drake has been, I don't know if I've seen a better defensive season out of a catcher yeah. here in, I don't know, six, seven years. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. And he's starting to hit the baseball again. What do you think about that move uh, going forward? Try it, you know, see what we get out of it. I think Bobby could play an effective second base for you. Nobody's really solidified it. Bobby's what I've learned with Bobby, correct me if I'm wrong, his errors are routine errors. For he sure. doesn't make, and if you remember the beginning of Hayden's junior year or sophomore year, one of the two, I can't remember. Hayden's errors, they had like seven errors early. They were all routine. They weren't tough plays. And I don't know the answer. I don't want, you can assume, make assumptions on why a guy makes errors on routine plays. I don't want to make that assumption because we don't know. Yeah, but Blake um, Trahan had the same problem in 2015 after the 2014 team left. Blake, okay, so, Blake was a junior. He had the same issues because he had a new guy on third and a new guy at second, and, and he was yeah, trying to he do tried too to stretch much. his range. Exactly. Right. So, and, and you know what I thought of immediately when Brett went to shortstop? I've done my research. Brett's got over 100 starts, but a lot, some, a lot of them were third also. What I thought when I saw him go to shortstop, I, I swear the only thing I popped in my mind is like, man, I'm missing something. Why wasn't this ever done before? There must be a reason. And I mean, like there must be, and I'm saying like there must be something I'm missing that's happening at practice or something. In other words, like maybe this guy looks God awful at third at shortstop. You know, it's like the whole thing. You may be an A, but if I put him there, he's a C. But if I do this, you're both a B. In my head, the first thing I thought he mean like, okay, Borgonio is your third choice. There's got to be a reason for that. I don't know what it is, but I'm with you on like, man, let's go. Let's try some. Hey, all I'm all, Diggs obviously shows he's not, he's not put in cement, right? Yep. Maybe that's something you go with. Um, and look, K Fitz made an error on a play that he doesn't, he but doesn't he, normally make, but, but. But again, isn't that, don't you think that came from lack of playing time over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I think a little nervousness sets in a little, you know, all, all of those things, the butterflies, whatever you want to call them, if you're if you're not there at third base, I mean, there's a reason they call it the hot corner. Obviously, yeah. I think Borgonia is better at shortstop or yeah. second base than he is at third. I'm not sure he's got the arm strength, in my opinion, and for third be base. It. It, it's one of those things. But when he attacks the ball at third base and comes up and gets it, he can make that throw to third and, uh, to first, and he and he looks great at it. So I think for him at third, he's got to attack the ball. He can't sit back and wait for it. Where Fitzgerald, I think, is that bulldog when it comes to third base. And whether it's coming at him hot or if he's – I love when he charges for a bunt, he can make that throw to first. 
Look, let me speak uh, from a play, the playing experience real quick. When you're there's a damn person that's wearing a Louisiana jersey that wasn't a stud from the time they were 12 years old at the latest on up. They were hitting three and four holes. They're JUCOs. They are the best players. You're on the bench. Cofield played it. I think it was Hines. Hines went to the national title a couple years ago. He is not at this school to say, hey, I'm going to go chase foul balls and be that great plucky guy and be the best pinch hitter. He's here to start. You put him at first base, it's not his natural position, that's, I'm going to get it done. You put Fitzgerald didn't make the trip last weekend. He gets a start. You know what those guys are thinking. They've all heard the analogies. There's a crack in the door. Put your foot in it. I don't, as much as it is nerves, I think it's wanting to too much. We've always heard the phrase, you can't want to hit too bad. You know what I mean? Let the game come to you. Yeah, I do think you get tight when you see an opportunity and you're smart enough to see the opportunity and you want to seize it and you literally can screw yourself up. Yeah, all you got to say is uh, two words, uh, Lou Gehring. Uh, you know. Look, I'll, I'll, let me say this about Brett, and then we can move on to Little Rock, but you don't start as a true freshman at Cal State Fullerton, yeah. a team that was an out away from the College World Series if you're not a competent baseball player. Yep. And, you know, I understand that he's the third option maybe at short. Uh, whether he should be or not is a conversation for another day, but – we talked at the beginning uh, about assholes on the team and dogs and, and personalities that are going to drive a team forward. If you've ever had an opportunity to talk to Brett, the team loves Brett, but Brett is not that guy. He's just not. He's a, oh, he's no, a, he, he's a back of the picture guy. Yeah. Yes. And, and look, you need all kinds to be successful, mm -hmm. uh, but he's not that. And, but regardless, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the, we, we have to take a look at, the, the changing rosters and lineups and things. And we got to understand these guys are still 19, 20, 21 year olds. So uh, that plays into it. But Brett puts the ball in play. His strikeout to walk ratio is down. He leads the team on, on base percentage. The guy is just a baseball player. Uh, you put him in the two hole on Wednesday night. He went two for four. And he was safe for the double play, in my opinion. But uh, yep. let's give him a shot. Let's give him five, six, seven games, short, start him at short. Let Bobby play a little second base. His bat is good enough, hit seven, eight hole, right? That's just my opinion on it, just watching as a fan. And obviously we watch the game differently as a broadcaster, as a analyst, as a fan, guy in section A, guy in the grandstand. It's just not it's much different. different. I just can't say what y'all say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it reminds me of that, that, that story about the judge who he was asked, you know, do you feel bad because you were the last person on the list and no one else answered their phone and that's why you were appointed to a judgeship? He said, no, I don't. He said, because of nothing else, I was on the list. It's the same thing with uh, Bergonia. He, he may have been the third option, but he was an option and we know he right. can play. So, I mean, I think everything's there. The question was his hitting and I think he's answered that. I mean, the, the steps he's made forward with all the coaches, you know, with, with, with Deggs, with, um, with uh, Talbot and, and Jake Wells, I think they all, I mean, I think, I think you're seeing what, what good coaching can do for a player right there. And the same thing with Osborne. Osborne wasn't a hitter per se when he came here. We knew about his de defense, but man, is he, he's got, when he's, when he's on fire, he is on fire. If Drake would bark at some guys, I mean, he would just be the ultimate dude. And I yeah. love watching him play baseball. And Brad, I know you were a catcher. I caught as well. That guy, I would play for that guy any day of the week. I mean, he's just he's just a ball player. 
I get mad at him when he doesn't block some balls. I'm gonna tell you, he uses his gloves too much and gets me mad. But that's well, the he does. He, he does. Look, there's too many wild true. pitches. I'm just telling y'all, there's too many wild pitches. There needs to be some more pass balls scored. I'm just saying. Jay says I'm too hard. No, as a former catcher, I agree totally with you. It drives me nuts when I see wild pitch. I'm like going, no, that's not a wild pitch. The catcher should have, and I know technically it probably is, but because the catcher didn't move, I agree with you, Brad. I'm old school. I love getting hit with a baseball in the chest. That's what your reason you have a, a chest protector on and everything. And I, and sometimes it's going to catch you in an unfortunate spot. Let's but, not talk about that. I don't need. I have flashbacks. Let's just not go there. But yeah, I had one bounce off back to the pitcher's mouth one time. Now I yeah, was I never had that. Well, it didn't go all the way back. I'm sorry. It bounced about halfway back to the pitcher's mouth. I didn't have that. That's bad. And I was about 11 years old, and and thank God for that cup. And and everybody's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good." So, but that I've had other times where, oh yeah, let's not go there. All right, back to Little Rock, guys. Um. Because I know Brad doesn't have all day, and uh, but we could talk baseball and other things all day. What what are we going to see from the pitching there? I mean, starting pitching relief. Where where's going to be their strong points? Um, obviously, they everybody has a Friday night guy, and I'm sure their Friday night guy is there too. So yeah, well, for starters, what you're scared of is Friday night for this reason. He's not the preseason pitcher of the year. Preseason pitcher of the year is a guy named Aaron Funk, who has stunk it up for the most part on the season. He's now Saturday. Listen, we went up there two years ago, and this is why I remember. His name's Hayden Arnold. And they're, they're like some cartoon or some old show where, hey, Arnold was always yelled. Yep. Craig, you would, okay. So that's, I can't get that kid out of my head. As a freshman, strikeout per, strike per inning. As a sophomore, his ERA was in the twos, and he had more than a strikeout an inning. And they didn't throw him in the first two games. And we were struggling at that point in time. That's when Cantrell hit three bombs in one game. They waited till Sunday until we, we had the lead and they brought him in the fifth and he shoved it and he was good. Well, that kid's now the Friday night guy. And the reason I say I'm scared of Saturday is if Saturday shows up like he's expected to, they have two studs. But let me give you the numbers. And these are simple without going nerdy. They've got two sweeps. They beat Texas State 21 to 5, South Al 20 to 13. They get swept by Arkansas State 8 to 24. And then they lose two out of three to ULM. It's nine to ten. In the, their series, they they've won the seven games they've won. They've allowed eighteen runs, but scored forty three. And it's the polar opposite when they lose. This team is bipolar. I don't know how else to say it. At home, they're studs. They're nine and two. On the road, they're seven and fifteen. And it's not just because some of those games are Arkansas or somebody. They stink in conference. And look, South Al, they shoved it. They they held they scored twenty off South Dallas pitching. We scored five. It, it's it, I I agree with you totally, and that and that's what scares me when you look at their their record and their and not just their record, uh, you know, because South Al South Al had that at, that seven and five record I believe, but it was batting one thirty or one seventy, and now but you go up to uh, Little Rock where they are playing well and the number of runs scored at home, that scares the living daylights out of me, but. At the same time, I know our guys can. If our guys hit the ball, we can we can do as many runs as they can. We can, but the question becomes: Can our pitcher hold them down? Pitching hold them down. Yeah, no, agreed. So, hey, Brett, what's what's the pitching mix with Hayden Arnold? I remember him, but I don't know if he's added anything. I know he. I mean, he's forty nine Ks and fifty one innings pitched, so that's a little scary. But do you know uh, what his out pitch is? Do you know what we expect out of him? 
It was he was more of a traditional. He has a if I remember what I remember was high three quarter slot, a little more traditional, but he had command and he pitched in the bottom third of the zone. You hear me talk about that all the time. And one of my favorites is uh, talking about Wyatt because if he gets mad at me, I don't care because I've known him since he was young. Um, when you watched Wyatt, if Wyatt pitched middle of the zone or up, I called it an airplane. His ball was flat and light. But when yeah. he got the ball in the bottom third, there was some nastiness to the movement. Well, Arnold stayed there. He stayed in the bottom of the zone, and he definitely he has he had the movement on it. Um, but look, you're looking at sitting in that 90 to 92 range. You should see with a little bit of a gust. Uh, last year, for example, 24 strikeouts, three walks. He just throws downhill. The which the problem, if just speaking, go nerd a little bit. Um, when you throw downhill, the ball your breaking ball tends to be vertical too. We've seen that out of Christie, and they've seen them Hayden, change Hayden Dirk to that, right? That downhill guy is going to have a downhill break. That's why Wyatt was disgusting, because everything came out of one tunnel and went straight or went straight down. Well, that's kind of where this guy's at. And those guys can be very effective. And what scares me about him is this. You know that guy with that good curveball, and we saw with Jeremy Lee. Once you get a little tired, you still have the same RPMs, but you take a little bit off of it because your arm fatigues just a hair, and all of a sudden that break, now the ball comes out your hand at my helmet and it ends up at my knees and it's a strike. You throw the ball at my eyes and now all of a sudden I'm swinging, it's in the dirt. And that's what I'm concerned about with this guy. He's that 12-6. I think you have to get to him early or he can be a real problem. What do you see? Uh, I, I know both, both pitchers are TBA uh, for Sunday. Uh, we, saw yeah. another, we saw another good performance out of uh, – Heron on on Tuesday night, I believe. I'm getting my days mixed up. It might have been Wednesday. 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 So I don't think I could be wrong, but I think we might we could see him in relief on on, on Sunday. But um, I don't know who 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 we look at on for Sunday. I mean, I think that's going to be a, a call after the game Saturday night. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, if. I try to tell you what I think Matt Deggs is going to do. I've got midweek down pat late in the games. I know what he's going to do. Yep. Beyond that, I know I know we're going to see Cook and Arigetti, and I don't have a clue what's going to happen Sunday, and I, I seriously don't because I wasn't expecting Connor um, to see Menard out there. I'm not fighting it. I wasn't expecting it. Um, sounds like the news is good on Hayden Dirk. If Hayden Dirk is good to go, I would actually expect to see Hayden Dirk back out there. But, as again, if he's good to go. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It sounded like uh, he he was fine, also, but uh, you know, I know the coaches can't talk about it too much. So right, of course. And I don't uh, like to ask a whole lot behind the scenes because then I got to either keep quiet about it yep. with y'all, or so I just don't ask. So if I don't ask, you can't blame me if something got out. It, it, exactly. And uh, during the Diamond Club, I always preference things with Coach Eggs uh, because I know just like Tony. They like to talk to the players first to let them know that they're pitching. They don't want it to come out on social media or the newspaper or anything on, on who's starting, who's if they haven't talked to the players already. So, fair. yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I try not to ask those questions, but when I do, I'm like, do you have an answer? And can you I'm sure you have an answer, but can you tell us if, if not? I understand. So uh, because everybody wants to know who's starting. Um what do you, what what do they look at in, in, like in relief since we're talking about their pitching right now? Do they have a guy that they go to? Do they have a closer? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, they have a setup guy. What, what, are, what are we looking at with them? Well, so one of the guys that's gotten two starts is a lefty. He's been back and forth. He's a possible – he's the guy named Sawyer Smallwood. You could see him as a starter depending on how they view us because he's the antithesis to Arnold and Funk. You know, he's a lefty. He's three quarters. He's more off speed. Um, he's got a couple conference starts. He's got a couple in relief. So we could see him early depending on their viewpoint. But uh, Aaron Blakely is really good. But he's not um, – He's not doing what no, Jones is doing to Georgia Southern. He's not coming out and striking out the world. He's just getting out. Just in conference, he's got four saves. He's allowed 12 hits in 17 innings, but it's only 13 strikeouts. And in this day and age, only is, you know, that's, that's not, not much. Well, um, he's a righty. He's tight. He's over the top. But he, he's a transfer, and he's a grad student. He's a senior. In other words, Cat knows how to pitch. You know, you, you look at – you look at the statistically in which, like we've talked about in the past, it's me all together there, you know, his whip is low, uh, 0.79. But you look at with 15 appearances with without a start, so, you know, in only 39 innings, 1.85 ERA, that tells you that he's been very consistent because, as you know, it only takes that one time that you go out as a reliever and you get shelled for three runs and you pitch a third of an inning or two-thirds of an inning, and the rest of the season – your ERA is like 17 or some, some mess like that. So for a 1.85 ERA as, as a reliever, I, I, I got to believe he's, 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 he's doing pretty well. But again, without the strikeouts, he's a pitch to contact guy. Pitch to contact? That's yeah, right. pitch to contact. Well, Craig, well, to your point, he's, allowed, he's only allowed runs in four appearances. He gave up of the, um, the earned runs, he's given up eight. I'm sorry, five appearances. He gave up three and one, two and another. And then three ones. The other 10 appearances are scoreless, and they're multiple inning appearances. He's not a uh, one-inning guy. He is a two- to three-inning guy. He's a guy that you he, – he was what you could do with Wyatt. Um, Gunnar Lager gets you into the seventh. You bring in Wyatt, and you can run him the rest of the way. That's what this guy is. So you could see him tonight, today, early, and him finish the game to guarantee a win. Yeah, and if you think about think about all of the good pitchers we saw at South Al, think about all the gaudy numbers uh, for the Cajuns. This guy Barkley leads that Sun Belt in WHIP, walks per nine, and strikeout to walk ratio. So he's yeah. going to fill it up. And I is he? To, you said two or three innings. If, if you know, I don't know if one of these guys uh, funks on Saturday now, but if Arnold gets in trouble early, I mean, he could come in and give you some innings. Yeah, he could. I think I think that's one of those when you, if you're them, you look at the score. You know, if I use um Barkley for one inning on Friday and we win I can bring him and burn him on Sunday if right. we're winning if or if I feel like hey we can hit these guys I bring him in to win the game but I don't get I don't bring him in if we're struggling because they do have another guy that he hasn't thrown much in conference he's been wild but you talk about 96 to 97 in the fall a guy named Cole Evans he was their projected closer but in nine appearances Cat's ERA is uh 12 yeah. Now, 23 strikeouts and 10 innings pitched. That's more than two an inning. This guy's a flamethrower, but he's also got 12 walks in 10 innings. You know, so he's throwing a lot of stuff over the heart of the plate. It, it, that's one of those that you may see him come in. If he's on, your eyes kind of light up and go, wow, that dude's got a cannon. You know, where'd he come from? So, and I think that's the, that's the bipolar nature of the team, right? You got a guy that can strike out the side on nine pitches, flipping his glove out there at you but he also might walk the bases loaded. So well, that's, that's a, might. Go ahead. Good. 
No, I was saying that, that might be the nature of the bipolar part of the, the way their, their, uh, their stats and their team line up. Well, hey, Brad, do you have the home away splits for those guys? Uh, no, but I, 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 I can dig them out. I can get them on the broadcast. Um, I'll have them by then. I haven't got them yet. There's, there's a few sites no I know how to get. Yeah, I know how to get to a few sites that most people don't. Craig, Craig knows, but yep. well, um, I can find them. What about Luke Walner? I'm just looking at his numbers. He's still, I mean, he's got 15 innings pitch with a .6 ERA, a .47 e, uh, whip, uh, 12 strikeouts in uh, 15 innings, only two base on balls and one earned run, uh, which is, it looks like is, well, I'm assuming is a home run, but a point uh, a 104 batting average against. I mean, is that someone that we're going to see? I mean, um, more of a sub guy, a okay. submarine. He's got he's got a He'll throw at multiple angles. He's one of those guys, um, when, you, when you see the picture of him, it, when his hands and his glove, when he separates, elbow goes up, thumb goes straight down. Uh, kind of like a, a Corey Kluber, so to speak, from hip to ear. He's got that real short motion, very, very short. I don't think he's gonna, you're going to see him as a long guy. But for stars, he also comes out, of, he's from Minnesota, but he, comes, he came all the way down to Meridian. Dude, you don't go to Meridian unless things have changed. You don't get to Meridian unless you can pitch. But, uh, look, so you may be dealing with an arm injury. If you dig into these guys, he threw against Eastern Illinois, and he threw against North Alabama on the 7th of March. You didn't see him again until Arkansas Pine Bluff. He didn't throw again until then. Since he came back, you know, last four outings, Arkansas, three innings, one earned. Central Arkansas, three perfect innings. ULM, twice. No, no, they didn't touch him. Four innings pitched, five Ks, no hits, no walks. He's a guy, again, that's what you don't know without seeing him. It may be an arm injury guy who's now just coming back from it. But he is, that's a good spot. That was one of my uh, guys kind of the watch to see what's going on with because his last four outings, and there were two of them, back-to-back two-inning days, uh, he threw 23 and 26 pitches to get four innings worth of work. Think about that. So he's throwing the ball over the plate, and you're hitting him. He may look a little bit like uh, Abney, if, that, if you remember Alaska Abney's uh, arm angle. Yep. Well, I mean, just looking like like I said at his numbers, some of them, and uh, I, unfortunately, I should have done a better job of digging into him to see what he's done lately. But yeah, he kind of scares me a little bit there. So uh, you got some guys that it looks like, like like you said, I mean, it looks like he, if fifteen uh, innings and eight appearances, so he's averaging almost two to a game, and like I said, he's got a couple three in there, so it's a guy that, that that has the ability to shut us down if he's healthy, I guess. And also has the, uh, I mean, man, it's just, it, it kind of scares me with, with him yeah. and, and uh, uh, Barkley. Uh, so, you know, those, those, those two guys give you the opportunity if they take the lead to come in and hold, unlike my Reds with their middle relief, but that's a whole nother story, you know, look, quick, for another day. Yeah, qu- quickly though. I mean, in the in the last week, I have or the last two weeks, whatever it's been, I have seen two games. One of them where a team hits seven home runs and loses, and then <laughs> yesterday my Reds hit six home runs and still lose at home. And I'm going like, this is not fair to me or both of those teams. So, but that's all yeah. I'm gonna say. I'm not asking y'all. I mean, I, I know. Brad has a comment about my Reds all the time, so we're not going to go there. That's for, that's, that's for our MLB talk one night when we can have a, a rum and a bourbon and we can sit around the table here and have a little chat about MLB one night. So, 
All right, so let's look at the hitting side. What are we looking at them? Uh, and if you need to go, Brad, please just. I got uh, a couple more minutes. Okay, that's what I was hoping we could go. Uh, but what what are we looking at with Little Rock on the hitting side? Are they going to be able to hit our pitching? Where are we going with that? You know, that again, you go back to the nature of how they do it. They're um they're more top heavy. You've got a couple guys that can go. Uh, I have it. One of them's new. Can, I, I don't. I ignore home runs at Little Rock. That park can play small. You know, we know that. So I ignore home runs with them. But John Michael Russ is a new guy I haven't seen. He's, you know, he's hitting 350. Jordan Hussein, I have seen. The guy can play, not a lot of power, but he can hit. Doesn't strike out a ton. He's hitting 340. So that, that's the one I knew. And Kenny Rodriguez, hasn't, he's one of these guys that played himself into the lineup. He's hitting 330. Now, a lot of their everyday guys that I do know are struggling that we were expecting more out of, like uh, Eldridge, Eldridge Figueroa. Guy can swing it. I've seen him swing it. Uh, Noah Dickerson, I've seen that guy swing it. But their double numbers are high, right? Extra base hits, but they're hitting for a low average. And they're really up and down. And they're better players. They strike out a lot. So you have a chance for a big, big strikeout weekend. Um, look at if you, if you look at their numbers. Miguel Soto, 42 Ks. Uh, Barnum, 37. Williams, 35. So they have some big strikeout guys, right? But they have guys that can flat. They also have guys that can hit. So it's kind of like a, I don't, like I said, it's. It, I find us to be a little more even as we descend, meaning there's not a gigantic drop off. It's just falls. You know, they, they have a, to me, they have a separation where they have a few guys that are going to hurt you if you're not careful and they'll get you. Like, again, John Michael Russ is sitting in the four hole with five doubles, no homers. That's not necessarily traditional. Yet, he basically smoked South Al that weekend. He's their starting catcher. He can hit. So you got, a, you got basically an average hitter sitting in the four hole. But if, so if you get on base in front of him, he can get you. Um, again, I, I find them top heavy. I, I really do. I find them top heavy and where, you know, where we've gotten trouble before letting the bottom of the order get you in trouble. Yeah. By walking, getting them Walk, on. Walking, hitting yeah. a pitch. Uh, you know, four guys over, four guys over 300, one at 286. And then, then it drops off significantly. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Yeah. Their numbers really don't jump out at you. I mean, they don't do a ton. Great. They have few, do a few things. Well, Brad mentioned Kenny Rodriguez in conference. He's slugging 682, five doubles, three homers, hitting 364. So he's really coming on late. Uh, yes. Just watching a little bit of video of him, he's he's particularly terrifying to me. Especially at home when you when you get when you when those numbers go up like that. But I, I see the ability for us at that field going back to uh, two years ago when Hayden hit the three home runs. I'm not sure who asked him afterwards. Uh, because he hit two from the right, uh, two from the left side, and one from the right, I believe. And uh, someone asked him in one of the interviews, "Have you ever hit a home run from the left side and the right side in the same game?" And his his response was, "I've never hit two home runs in a game, period." And as we know, Hayden played a lot of baseball, yeah. so I, I see the ability for our guys. I hope Tyler Tyler Robinson comes to play uh, because I really think if he gets uh, uh, as we know, he he loves the fastball and get, can get around on anything. That left field porch out there is going to be, I think, easy for him to reach, uh, to re reach and Rockerford too, uh, and and be nice to see Drake Osborne get get one or two d during this series here. So I think he deserves 
uh, a couple couple bombs, in my opinion. So one thing I will share this maybe these numbers actually bear out very similar to what I saw last weekend, and I think it's why you didn't see Perrin. South Al's numbers against lefties were small sample size, but they were ugly for Cajun pitching. I mean, Ethan Wilson was hitting just under 500 against lefties. They had a lot. They had lefties that were hitting 100 points higher against lefties than righties. Uh, this team only hits only. Hits Am I frozen or Brad, you froze there, hopefully. <laughs> Josh, you're still there? I see you moving. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's see. The middle. They show they show oh. discipline. Can you all right? So we we lost you there. You froze. I'm not sure how uh Me? so we lost well, yeah, oh. we lost you uh, right after uh the South Alabama and the left-handed pitchers with parents. So um Oh, they just they they sat back and just slapped the ball back up the middle. They didn't try and do what they were doing to the righties. This team has these same numbers. They're hitting 300 against lefties. I don't think that Perrin, maybe that Deggs knew that going in. That's why he let Perrin go long. Um, I don't know how much you're going to, I don't know if we'll see Tally a ton. I'm sure we will. You won't want to bail on him, but it might be situational as opposed to, hey, why isn't Tally in in the ninth? It may be who he's facing. They hit lefties. So the righties have to dominate this game. Well, I did have that conversation with Coach Deggs. uh, And and, uh, since since it's already Friday and, the games tonight, but uh, I don't mind talking about what what was said at the Diamond Club because we're we're several days away from that now. But uh, right. he he did mention he, I brought up the numbers with the left-handed pitch, and he said yes, that had some to do with it situational. But at the same time, he felt it didn't matter who Tally was facing, whether it was lefty, right, or different. Right. He said he says we're I'm I'm going to put him in when I need him. So right. no, and that's fair. But like you know the um. Like one of their guys, all his power, this kid Tyler Williams, he's going to hit in the middle of the order. Well, all his pop comes against the right-handed hitters. He doesn't do much against lefties, but that's a guy with major power. Basically, you're in a situation where you, you can't put guys on base in front of some guys that hit well with runners and score in position. Again, it reminds me of South Al to some degree. And what I do remember about this club, the way they function under their coach, they almost had a wolf pack mentality a little bit. I felt like when they started to hit, they could jump on you, but they didn't have anybody that scared you. And they didn't really, they didn't have great at bats at bat in and at bat out. But once they got to you, it was like, once they smelled blood, they went from, they got an adrenaline shot and they really got after you. That is a concern of mine because again, that could be a coach mentality. That's something we don't know until we see it. But what I've seen from when we've played them again, not consistent, good at bats, not tearing up after you every time out. But once they smelled blood, you can they can put runs up in a hurry, and they really really stick it on you, and that's kind of what worries me a little bit. Josh, one more uh, last comment or question for Brad, either one or both, uh, and then we're going to wrap this up because I know Brad's got things to do. We got an early game, and uh, I'm sure he's got some more homework. He always does his homework. So, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you got into the matchup and strengths and whatnot, but you know, similarly to South Alabama. Uh, Little Rock is a much better fielding team than the Cajuns. And we talked about this in our last preview. And I think that there's an opportunity for Little Rock to really exploit that, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, and there's also potential for, you know, some big strikeout numbers this weekend. And it's really going to boil down to this. Are we going to be competitive at the plate and are we going to get better in the field? And if we can't, I'm worried. If we can, we can, we can sweep this team. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, and I'll give you this. This is what scares me about this team. They're three, four, five, if I'm going off of the games they've already played, are going to be Tyler Williams in the three-hole. It's going to be, let me make sure I say the right name. It's going to be the catcher, John Michael Russ in the four, and Kenny Rodriguez in the five. When I talk to you all about not letting the bottom set them up, now the, we're getting the significant numbers now, right, further in the season. Uh, your three-hole hitter is hitting 515 with runners in scoring position. Your four-hole hitter is hitting 350, and your five-hole hitter is hitting 429. You know, that's, that's the strength of the team. If we let the, let, let, if the table gets set for three, four, five, they are going to kill you. Um, they beat South Island Friday night, seven, three, four hole hitter was two for four with five RBIs. He got two weak outs and then two hits were got with the base, one with the bases loaded and one, um, one with a man on second, third. And that's what scares me. If we don't, if we don't give the Ferrari gas, it can't run. These guys, if you make the middle, the three, four, five hit without bases chunked, they're fine. But that's that blood, that bloodthirsty thing. I'm thinking those guys sense it, and that's, I mean, five fifteen, this deep in the season, that's incredible. Good deal. Hey, Brad, thank you so much, Josh. Thanks for joining us again Absolutely. today, and thanks Josh, for uh, good being with you. Enjoyed it, man. Thanks, uh, guys. Uh, thanks again, Brad. Hopefully, we'll talk to you next week again for the uh, Texas State series. You can get a little preview there. I think we've got the uh, ULM game in between, which will probably just be me and Josh doing a little preview there. So I know you got, I know everyone's busy. Weekdays from uh, two to three, you can catch Brad on ESPN 1420. You can catch him on the Cajuns baseball broadcast each each game, home and away. So thanks again. Any last comments, anyone? 30% sales tax on mixed drinks in Little Rock. That's my last comment. All right, guys. All right. Well, see you later. Take care. Thank you. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.